Hi friends, my name is Ryan Cagle and you are listening to the Lessons from Dead Guys podcast, A Work of Exile Liturgy. If you're familiar with the show and how things have been going lately, then I imagine you're thinking, why is this, one, why is this episode so short? And two, why is it happening on the off week of the show? Because yes, indeed, we are still doing an every other week release through Ordinary Time where we have people on the show uh, to do have conversations with and talk about their life and talk about their faith and their different perspectives and what day guys have influenced them the most. And so last week we had Father Kenneth Tanner on the show uh, from the Charismatic Episcopal Church, and we talked about uh, having a sacramental and evangelical and charismatic faith and these traditions that run together and what we can learn from each other. We talked about icons and the faith of children. We talked about growing up Pentecostal and all these different things, and the conversation was great. And if you have not listened to it, you need to do that now. And like I said, next week's episode will be re- with Reverend Joe Howard, uh, who is a Baptist minister, which means something radically different in the UK than what it means here in the great state of Alabama in the United States of America um, that I've come to find out. And so he's written a really awesome book, and that episode will come out next week, and I can't wait for you to hear it. And the reason for this episode, and the reason that it's going to be so short, is that today is the launch of something that Lessons from Dead Guys is so thankful to be a part of and looking forward to the future prospects of seeing this thing grow, and that's a network called Theology Corner. You can find it online at theologycorner.com. And so Theology Corner is basically an online hub of bloggers and podcasters that are bringing different perspectives, different theological approaches and frameworks to a larger discussion. And so basically you'll be able to go to Theology Corner, which is a little corner of the internet for all of these, um, some armchair theologians like myself and some very schooled and educated theologians come together. And so there will be podcasts and there's blogs and they have all these people lined up. You know, I had to be contributors to to contribute consistently. And so it's a network, and today is the launch of it. And I'm super excited to be a part of it. I'm super excited for the future uh, to see it grow and flourish and see more contributors be involved and see a greater conversation um, come about around these different theological perspectives and viewpoints and angles, whether that be dealing uh, with pain and grief or whether it be dealing with dead guys or whether it be dealing, dealing with theology from a more pop culture perspective. And so there's all kinds of different contributors on there, and they're actually still looking for more contributors. So if you have a podcast idea, a blog that you're willing to commit to, uh, then you can connect with them on there. There's a sign-up form you can connect, and they can get in touch with you about seeing if you are the right fit for becoming a contributor on the, uh, Theology Corner and being a part of this network of voices that are in dialogue together. Um, and so this thing, theologycorner.net, uh, it launches today, and I didn't want to wait a week for you to get the next episode because, like I said, I recorded that episode earlier today, but I'm not going to throw our typical routine off balance just yet um, and until we get to Advent because I'm this every other week um, – Cycle is really working good for these interviews, and I have some very cool interviews lined up for the future. But Theology Corner launched today, and so I didn't want to be a week, a little actually over a week before I actually contributed something to uh, the website and to the dialogue and to the conversation. And so that's the reason this episode is kind of short. Um, and so it's just going to be a very brief kind of um, just specifically an ode to theology, uh, theology corner, uh, just something, uh, to be on there so people can connect when they come to theology corner and they can get connected and they can hear and they can listen to things and, um, they can read the articles and see uh, the greater dialogue that's going on and will be continuing to go on, on this little corner of the internet that I've been, uh, just 
invited to be a part of it. I'm super thankful for it. And so many of you know that in prep for Advent, I've been reading, binge reading actually, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. And while Teilhard de Chardin has been influential in my life in ways that I cannot even begin to explain. Uh, and so he was a paleontologist and a Jesuit priest. So basically he's like everything for me because I'm a science nerd and I love theology. And so he kind of embodies both of those things. And he's very poetic, um, brilliant, just a very, very brilliant uh, voice that was hindered in church history. If you don't know anything about him, the Catholic Church silenced him. They exiled him to China. They didn't want his writings published because his ideas on evolution, because he was a scientist, okay? He was a part of the discovery of Peking Man. And so his discoveries and his insights on evolution and how he's seen no, um, no, no conflict between them and his faith and his overall vision uh, his that is deeply rooted um, in creation and incarnational theology is just beautiful, but it was seen as such a threat. And so they silenced him. They wouldn't let his papers be published. They, they exiled him to China. They tried to keep him tucked away so people didn't hear about him. And eventually there was kind of a resurgence of his works. Um, uh, his works could never be published by the Jesuit Society. And so his friends, he left works with his friends that eventually would eventually go and be published and there was a resurgence kind of in people talking about him in dialogue and he gets used in a lot of ways that I'm probably a little more uncomfortable with uh, because no matter what people have said about him, he still remained deeply Christian, deeply committed to the church. And um, that was a driving thing. And despite all the all the hardship they brought him, all the negativity they brought him, all the the ostracization and, and you know disenfranchising him and just trying to tuck him away and keep him out of sight— Despite all that, he remained deeply committed to the church, deeply committed to his vows as a Jesuit priest, deeply committed to Jesus and the cause of the gospel. And so he's been super influential in my life. And so I wanted to read uh, just in a small excerpt from uh, one of his collected. It's a it's a book called The Hymn of the Universe, which is really a collection of his writings. And the later half of the book is really just a bunch of smaller writings that are not necessarily directly connected. Some are a few paragraphs, some are a few pages. And so uh, in The Hymn of the Universe, it's the thing I'm going to read to you today is going to be... Um, 30, with a number 37 in these brief little just writings that he wrote. And he said, We always tend to forget that the supernatural is 11, a life principle, not a complete organism. Its purpose is to transform nature, and it cannot do that apart from the material with which nature presents it. If the, he- if the Hebrews kept their gaze fixed for 3,000 years on the coming of the Messiah, it was because they saw him effulgent with the glory of their own people. If St. Paul's, Paul's disciples lived in a constant eager yearning for the great day of the second coming of Christ, it was because they looked to the Son of Man to give them a personal, tangible solution to the problems and the injustices of earthly life. The expectation of heaven cannot be kept alive unless it is made flesh. With what body then shall our own be clothed? With an immense, completely human hope. And see, the thing about Tayar that really began to change my perspective was that how incarnational he was. He was, you know, some people say you can be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And he was the exact opposite. He had these grand visions, these grand eschatological visions of the world to come and the age to come and what it meant to see a world saturated in the presence and the reworking and the recreating uh, spirit of God and the renewing spirit of God. 
but everything was so deeply embedded in creation. He was like the anti-Gnostic of anti-Gnostics. And you could take some of his writings and try to try to make a case for the other, but you can't, if you take his work and you take the things he said, you cannot take um, him away. Everything is so foundational in incarnational theology. He was a scientist, so it was the dirt, it was the grit, it was the mess of life where he found God the most. That's where he saw God was in the grit and the dirt and the mess, in nature, in the trees, in the plants, in the in the animals, in the universe, in the cosmos, everything. That is where he saw God moving and active in the people in his life and the people around him. And so he makes that suggestion that this supernatural power, that God, that is that is changing that he is a god is 11 and who is bringing about the completion of the world who is bringing about the healing and the restructuring and breathing new life into the world but he said that it cannot be done apart from the material which it which nature presents to it so god is not in the business of saving us from nature pulling us out of the world creator world he is in the business of transfiguring the world revealing that all of creation is steeped in the incarnation uh, to use a phrase that pierre Teilhard de chardin would use so he uses a reference. He says, you know, the Hebrews, they kept their gaze fixed on the Messiah because they saw him in the glory of their own people. And Paul's disciples lived in that constant, constant yearning for that great day because in the Son of Man, in the body and in the life of Jesus, they saw a tangible solution to the problems and injustices of early life. The expectation of heaven cannot be kept alive unless it is made flesh. We will always lose faith in heaven. We'll always lose faith in something that is out there beyond the skies. Humanity has been moving away from that for so long, and we'll see it. People lose faith. A God that is distant, a God that is absent, a God that's domain is way up and out, distant from us, cannot remain alive. A faith in that kind of God, a a connectivity to that kind of God, expectations of that kind of place and that kind of future where God dwells with man cannot be kept alive unless it is made flesh and blood, unless it is incarnate in the world around us, unless it is is embodied in the life of the believers and the life of the church and in the way we live. And so he says that he, you know, he, he makes that rhetorical question, with what body then shall our, shall our own be clothed? What, what shall we be clothed in? And he says, with an immense, completely human hope. And what's really cool is next week's episode with Reverend Joseph Howard is that we talk so much about the trauma that is the incarnation. And so T.R. De Chardin, he's, what he's getting at here, he's saying is that we are going to be clothed with an immensely human hope. A, a very human hope. The humanity's good, right? So this hope, this human hope, this material hope, that's what we'll be clothed in because God put on flesh. God stepped into material to reanimate, to recapitulate, to to breathe new life into. And this is one reason I love Pierre Teilhard de Chardin so much. It's because he is firmly rooted in the ground with the eyes set to see the coming of the Lord. And so he is rooted in this incarnational theology and it is in that that he sees God moving from the smallest microscopic organisms to, to humanity who is in full conscious consciousness and awareness of God and who are, who are self-aware. And so he sees God everywhere. He sees God in the dirt, in the muck, in the mire. He sees God in the long-standing evolutionary history of creation from, from microorganisms to hominids to us, to seeing God lead creation forward by the ways of his immense love. God pulling us forward, drawing us forward like, like, a, like a father teaching his child how to walk. 
And so Teilhard's vision of the world, Teilhard's eschatological vision, Teilhard's love for God and love for the material world has impacted me so much. And I cannot wait for the season of Advent to really, really get into a lot of the things that he said that have really shaped me over the years. And so again, this is a special episode for Theology Corner. This is an episode that I hope... um, or it'll be published on Theology Corner, and I hope that it'll be uh, a means by which some people get more in contact with the show. But also, I hope that if you're a listener, you'll go to Theology Corner and you'll check out the other episodes or the other podcasts. You'll check out the other the other bloggers and the writers, and as they release material in the coming week. And uh, I just encourage you to do that and help uh, add to the dialogue. And like I said, we're still looking for contributors. So if you feel like you got something to say, if you feel like you, you got something to put out there and to add to this conversation, um, then Send you know fill out the form, send it in, see what see you know connect with the people running this thing, um, and get it get on board because we need more voices because we are only uh, the church is only as beautifully orthodox as it is when it allow you know it the church is only truly and beautifully orthodox when it promotes and allows and cultivates a myriad of Christian perspectives. And approaches. And so, again, Theology Corner, it's going to be a little corner of the internet about theology and dialogue and different voices. And so, again, I hope you're encouraged to do that. Check it out. I appreciate you guys. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, go do it. Father Kenneth Tanner is like a, a, a rock star pastor. And I don't mean that he's like one of these mega church hipster pastors. I mean, he leaks the love of Jesus in one of the most pastoral ways I've ever encountered in a conversation. It's just his words are so saturated with the love of God and the Spirit of God. So if you haven't checked him out, do it. And be sure to just be ready for next week's episode because it's going to be good. Uh, the conversation I had today was just fantastic. We're talking about the ghost of perfection and the trauma of the incarnation next week. And so it'll be there. In the meantime, go to Theology Corner, connect with them, subscribe to Signpost. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're having a great day because I sure am.